Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. For those who don't know me, who are here for the first time, uh, my name's Kelly. I'm the youth pastor here. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And um, yeah, I'm really happy to be able to speak uh, this morning, and I'm glad that you're here uh, with, uh, with us. Uh, so as we continue our journey up, leading up to Easter, um, to the resurrection, uh, today I want us to, to bring the Wednesday of that week leading up to, uh, to, to Sunday, the Easter. Obviously, you know, there's, there's different weeks that are that leading up to that, but we're covering hopefully the whole week in the next couple Sundays. And last week, David uh, walked uh, us to you know, Palm Sunday and raised the question, uh, what's the next step of worship and allegiance to King Jesus, right? And Jesus had been creating tensions um, with religious leaders, disrupting the, their ideas of the kingdom of God and presenting an upside-down uh, kingdom, reversing all the ideas and expectations. So he, Jesus was talking about a, a spiritual kingdom, but today we're going to take a closer look at uh, Jesus' betrayal and how it unfolded, right? Now, it sounds somber as we talk about it, but before we read this text in Matthew 26, I just want to do a quick um, overview of what leads up to that moment, you know, when Judas chooses to uh, betray Jesus. And at the beginning of chapter 26, um, Matthew introduces a plan, you know, where the, the chief, uh, chief priests are meeting to plan a, a secret, I guess, you know, to arrest Jesus and so on. And, and then after it jumps to another scene with a woman that uh, pours all, you know, all the perfume on Jesus. But the thing is, with that scene, when Matthew introduces that scene, is that it's really important because... The disciples, now take note, in verse 26, it says that it was the disciples. So Matthew doesn't say Judas, but the disciples were met with indignation. So that's interesting that, you know, in Matthew, this is what we find. So here we see the woman's unselfish and act and create, like, basically a response from the disciples, like, what's going on? We could have used that money for, for something else, right? But more so for Judas, which we'll see in a moment. So Matthew 26, 7, you know, we have this idea of what that perfume was being poured was an alabaster jar, which was year, worth one year's wage. So I want us to take a moment here before I, I get to our text to think about what that one year's wage means for us today. So just think about your annual salary, whatever that is, and, and see what that amount could purchase, right? Uh, maybe it could purchase a Toyota RAV4, <laughs> or maybe you could purchase a Tesla, uh, maybe a yacht, I don't know. Um, but the point is, as you imagine that, now this is what the, how it affected the disciples to think, like, this is one year's wage, like, how, how, how did you just, like, got, get rid of it just like that? They weren't looking at the act, they were just focused on the value of, of that jar. So, I'm going to take, you, take us to uh, the passage, first part is Matthew 26, verse 14 to 17. It says, Then one of the twelve that one called Judas Iscariot 
went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Let me pray for you really quickly. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity um, to just uh, go through your scripture. And we just invite your spirit, Lord, to, to minister to us. And, and I just thank you that we can um, know more about you, Jesus. Pray in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we see Matthew jumping you know, from that one scene with the woman uh, that's pouring all the perfume right to Judas uh, meeting with the chief priests. Now, out of all the disciples, of course, Judas was the most indignant um, by how he responded to, to Jesus regarding, you know, the woman pouring the, uh, the perfume. But we also know that immediately after the scene, uh, you know, with the woman, we jump to, to Judas plotting against Jesus. So we have a couple of jumps here. We have, at the beginning of the chapter, the priests that are plotting against Jesus, then the scene of the woman pouring the perfume, and then Judas meeting with those chief priests. So we have a contrast. See, here Matthew is showing us an important contrast between the two scenes. One who gives up everything, right? And the other one becoming a complete sellout. Now, whatever expectation that Judas had about Jesus, well, they were met with frustration, disappointment, and resentment. Now, who here has experienced disappointment, right? I think most of us had experienced disappointment at some point. Now, I think we can all agree that at some point in our lives when we were disappointed, not for those who've never been disappointed, tell me your secret, all right? But for the rest of us, we can all relate, right? We can relate to the frustration and possibly the resentment that we would have felt at that moment when we felt disappointment, right? But here Judas, in his own mind, felt that Jesus was not the Jesus that he thought he was following. See, he was expecting a King Jesus that would start a political rebellion and overthrow Rome. Well, instead, he witnessed a Jesus when we saw how Jesus responded to the woman in the earlier scene, he saw that Jesus was never going to be the things that he expected him to be. Instead, he saw a defeatist on his way to death. Now, in verse 15, Jews accepts 30 pieces of silver, right? So I want to pause here because Remember, I gave you the value of the alabaster jar to kind of give you an idea of a one year's worth of wage. But here, Judas accepts to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. See, the amount here, though, was not a lot when you think about it. In fact, that amount in that time for that culture, it was an amount paid for the death of a slave that was accidentally gored 
uh, to death by an ox. You see the, 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 the weight here between the alabaster jar and 30 pieces of silver. So clearly it wasn't because for the money that Judas was betraying Jesus. You know, here we're talking about it's peanuts that he's accepting. It's like going to, to a pawn shop and you bring your best collector's edition hockey card or Pokemon card or whatever card, collector's item, and you get $10 for it, but you know it's worth $1,000. Judah's decision to betray Jesus for the small amount demonstrated that he just didn't care about Jesus. He just didn't care enough about him. He didn't value him because his heart had hardened already. He betrayed his friend. So he just simply cashed out on his opportunity. He was disillusioned by Jesus' ministry. And you know what? Perhaps like Paul the Apostle when he was persecuting Christians, Judas probably felt the duty that he had to turn in a false prophet. Now, when I was a kid, I'm going to put my mom on the spot. She's, she's in the back over there. and just like, oh, what are you going to talk about? Um, I love going to Zeller's. When I was a kid, I loved going to Zeller's. Who remembers Zeller's here? Right? Apparently, it's coming back or it's already back. So, man, I know there was Toys R Us. I know they had more selection of toys. But Zeller's was special for me because I knew every time we went, I was able to get a G.I. Joe, and perhaps, when we could, we could go eat at the diner. Who remembers the, the diner at Zeller's, right? Yeah? Okay. So that, for me, was like everything. So every, ever so often, we go to Zeller's, and then, oh, yeah, my mom would buy me a toy, and, and we go eat. But those became my expectations of my mom. It was like every time we go to Zeller's, I expected, I'm going to get a G.I. Joe, and maybe we're going to eat. But the times that I didn't get that G.I. Joe or that action figure, mm, um, I would throw the biggest tantrum. <laughs> my mom is like, a test, he's like, yes, yes, he did. Um, I would give my mom such a hard time. And, and honestly, it's because my expectations were unmet, right? You see, Judas' response was much like a child when you think about it. Not getting what he wants. I mean, when you think about it, it's pretty selfish. He was focused on his wants. What about the other disciples? And we'll we'll look at that in in a moment. We're going to go to Matthew 26, 47, verses 47 to 56. And it says, While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed uh, with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elder, uh, elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man arrested. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Without one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. 
Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more, 12, more than 12 legions of angels? But how then will the scripture be fulfilled that say I'm, it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, I am leading, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with the swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple court teaching and you did not arrest me. But this had all taken place that the, the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him, desert, deserted him and fled. All right. Um, so here we fast forward to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus had spent time, you know, in prayer, looking for the Father's will. And in verse 46, uh, Jesus calls his disciples and goes to meet his uh, betrayer. So in the night, Judah, Judas comes with a, with a large band of people with swords, clubs to arrest Jesus, as though he was a common criminal. Because that's how they would, you know, gather a large group of people to go get a common criminal, but this case, that's, that's how they treated Jesus. That's how they looked at it. So notice how in verse 47, it says, uh, it refers to Judas as one of the 12. See, Matthew purposely is mentioning here, Judas, one of the 12. There's a reason for that, because we already know that Judas is one of the 12, right? Right before that moment. But here, this is important for the reader, for us to notice this, because this is adding the fact that the betrayal is so much deeper. It's that reminder that here, it's not a stranger that's coming up. It's someone that was with Jesus all the time. See, he was one of the 12 that Jesus gave authority to go out and spread the, the good news, heal the sick, and deliver the oppressed. So G Judas was a witness to the power and authority of Jesus. He witnessed his message. He spent time with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. So how close can you get? This is not a stranger. So it gets worse. Verse 49. Judas kisses Jesus. See, it was customary for a, for a rabbi's disciple um, to kiss his master on the hand or on the foot, um, you know, as a mark of special honor. But you see, Judas is just even saying rabbi was just not enough to, to, to like put that knife deep, you know, of betrayal. But his kiss just said it all. And then we jump to verse 50. Jesus calls him friend. So it's not the type of friend that we generally hold dear or closely, but instead this is the type of friend that there's some sort of rebuke. So it's not like, hey, my friend. Oh, it's good to see you. We're like, listen, friend. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus was not surprised. 
He already knew that Judas was coming, and he already knew that before the betrayal, uh, that Judas' heart had hardened because of his unmet expectations. We saw the video earlier here. Uh, I don't know if you had, had the t- chance to see a couple of the scenes, but two weeks ago we had um, our retreat with our youth. And in that retreat, we, we talked about this theme about putting God in a box. And you'll notice a picture come up uh, with one of the teens trying to fit in a box. <laughs> and, but the main idea was how we spend most of our lives trying to fit God in a box, which tend to be our expectations, right? God, be uh, who we want you to be. Um, answer my prayers, and we're good. But he, when he doesn't, what happens then, right? When he, he doesn't meet that expectation, or what's our response towards God? When the things that we hope to see change in our lives and don't. So here's the thing. Unfortunately, I think at some point we've all found ourselves at the door of doubt, questioning whether God is there or not. But it's after that, that decision that makes all that difference, right? See, painful situations, unmet expectations, we come at that crossroad. It's either we follow Jesus or turn away from him. So, the thing is, do we want to continue trusting God and know that he's in control, or do we want to throw a tantrum like Judas and turn away from him? So, now we t- let's talk about the other disciples. All right? We talked a little bit about Judas here, and I think we kind of get a good picture here about him. But in verse 51, one of the disciples reached out for their sword and struck the servant of a high priest, cutting his ear off. See, here's the thing. Matthew doesn't mention which disciple struck the servant. But we know that in John 18.10, we know that it's Peter. It says, Then Simon Peter, who had his sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. So at first glance, before we go further into the the passage, it's like, oh, finally, someone's doing something, right? I mean, like, listen, that Judas, I mean, like, he just did it all wrong. But here we have Peter. uh, You know, he's there defending Jesus. You know, what courage, what boldness. You know, here you have this large group uh, with swords and clubs. But let's be honest. What was Peter thinking? I mean, you have a large group with swords and clubs. He's not John Wick. He's not Bruce Lee. He can't take on 50 people. What was he thinking? So, <laughs> you know, in the old, um, I don't know if you ever watched old martial art movies, and I enjoy them, but you always have that hero who's taking on a whole army, and somehow that hero defeats them all. But here we have Peter just instinctively responding to defend Jesus. Great! One of the disciples is doing something right. Wrong. His courage was just quickly evaporated when Jesus just put him back in his place. He undid that. It was like, whoa, no, don't do that. 
So what seemed like a selfless act, Jesus is like, no, that, that, that's not correct. But here Matthew is showing the, the disciples' weaknesses. weaknesses. <laughs> He's showing us, you know, that all of them in their own way failed Jesus. See, Peter didn't necessarily betray Jesus the way Judas did. But the fact is, is that the moment he decided to act with violence, he quickly forgot what Jesus taught him. Don't, 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 don't respond evil with evil, right? That's not the way of the kingdom. In fact, the way of the kingdom is opposite. And this is what Jesus reminds everyone, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. So, again, though Peter didn't betray Jesus the way Judas did, Peter did by not abiding by Jesus' teaching. So, Jesus was, was ready, you know, for, for this moment. You know, the, the plan was set in motion, and every part was fulfilling the Old Testament, But nothing that any of the disciples did came to surprise to Jesus. He wasn't surprised. He knew this was going to happen. And so we, we see here in verse 56, Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. It's kind of funny because a couple of chapters earlier, or yeah, just the chapter before, they're saying, no, we won't abandon you, Jesus. We're, we're with you all the way, no matter what. And they just scattered. They all went their own way. They, they ran away. And, and Jesus was arrested. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the musicians uh, to come up. But a couple of things that I want to walk us through here, you know, before I, I end here. See, Jesus experienced both betrayal and abandonment in that same night. His loyal disciples, who had previously affirmed that they would never leave Jesus, left him. Jesus was captured. But it was necessary for Jesus to perfectly obey his father's plan. See, what was meant for evil was being used for a good purpose. See, we're not different from the disciples. Um, see, Matthew gets to the point. He shows the weaknesses of the disciples. He shows their humanity. They're still struggling with the flesh. They're, in, they're enticed by sin. And you know what? We've all been in that place. It is difficult to follow Jesus. So here you have a kingdom that Jesus is announcing. But the disciples haven't fully understood what the kingdom was about. See, Judas was hoping for a political one. But Jesus was bringing a spiritual one. So I'm going to get very geeky here. 
if I haven't already. <laughs> Who's watched The Mandalorian here? All right, quite a few hands. Okay, good. I like you guys. Uh, <laughs> but it's a show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's part of the Star Wars universe. And this character, The Mandalorian, his name is Din, and he has this code, right? He has this code that he has to abide by. He cannot take off his helmet. So if they do, they have to atone for their sin. I'm not going to spoil season three, so I won't say anything about the show other than this is, this is it. This is as far as go, so no worries. Um, but the thing is that if he fails that code, he literally becomes an outcast, right? He has to find a way to, to bring himself back, you know, to, to be accepted again by, by, his, uh, by his people. Now, here's the thing. Thankfully... We have something that, that's lacking in that show. Grace. See, the way of Jesus is to follow his way, but it will happen that we will fail, right? But there is grace. See, yet, you know, Jesus, knowing that his disciples abandoned him, trade him. He still chose the path that led him to the cross. Right? For those very failures and for ours today. So he loves us that much that he chose that. He, he, he took our shortcomings, he took our sin upon himself. And even when, he, when Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. The cross was the answer to that problem. See, in reading uh, the two passages uh, today, Matthew 26, it might look like an ugly story, right? Because we're seeing the ugly side of humanity. But really, it's a beautiful story where Jesus still chooses to redeem us, right? He isn't calling us to be perfect, right? That's not what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to trust him, to carry our cross no matter what. And as we trust him, we're able to obey him. And I know there will be times where there's temptation and we'll try out of our own capacity or expect that God must be a certain way for us because we're, we're putting this focus on ourselves and only ourselves, on the me. But again, Jesus reminds his disciples in Matthew 16, 24 to 26, it says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? See, the way of Jesus is an eternal matter, while the world is a temporal one. See, our focus is no longer 
about bec what becomes about us or what the world is trying to communicate to us to be or what it should be about us, but it becomes about Jesus. We become less and Jesus becomes greater. So we have to become less so allow, to allow Jesus to be greater in our lives. So I want to end with, um, with this reflection. And I'll ask everyone to just close your eyes, all right? And, and really invite you to this, to this reflection. And fully knowing that at some point, you know, there will be a failure to follow the ways of Jesus. Remember, it will happen. I don't want to make it sound negative. I'm just being realist here. But remember, Jesus, just as he knew his disciples, he already knows us too. So if you fail, it's okay. There's grace. You get back up, pick up your cross again, and follow Jesus. So here's my question. Here's my reflection for you today. Will I choose the me or will I choose Jesus and pick up my cross? And that means that in any circumstances, good or bad, best or worse, putting aside all expectations and allowing Jesus to fully be Jesus in your life. So this requires that you deny yourself. This is the way. This is the faith to take part in Jesus' kingdom. Do you choose Jesus? I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you uh, for this morning, Lord. Difficult text. Harsh reminder. But thank you for the cross. Thank you that there is grace in it, that we, don't, we didn't earn it. And you still chose to take that path. As we might identify at times with some of the disciples, run away from fear or think that we're doing the right thing, Lord. Help us to deny ourselves and to, to allow you more in our lives and hear you, Lord, leading us, Lord. Thank you. And I pray for everyone here this morning, whatever their, their season is, that the cross becomes more relevant than ever, a reminder of what you've done, and that you've struggled, you've felt it all, you've seen it all, and yet you still love us. And you walk beside us. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday 
but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.